Wednesday. Uh, you will open your Bible this morning to the 21st chapter of John. If you're keeping tabs, you say, wait a minute, we skipped a couple of chapters. You're right. Uh, this is not part of preaching through John this morning. This is uh, a message uh, that God laid on my heart that just so happens the text is uh, back in John. So uh, you'll be finding the 21st chapter uh, this morning, if you will. Uh, I ask you to continue to remember uh, David and, and Terry Lane. They both uh, have, uh, have corona. Uh, Lane and his mother and father, uh, all three, uh, glad to have, uh, I think that's Amy behind that mask back there, uh, glad to have Amy back. Uh, and Amy was so careful, she even sent me a copy of her letter saying she was clean. So uh, that uh, we're, we're going to be like, before this is over with, I'm afraid we're going to be like the old, like in the, during the law, you're going to have to walk around going unclean, unclean, uh, and have people uh, dodging you. But uh, continue to pray for them. Uh, continue to pray for Carol. Carol spent a few days uh, in uh, the hospital uh, last week, uh, but um, not corona-related, uh, but she's uh, doing better. Uh, also, Sherry Burris. I talked to Sherry uh, last night. Sherry's um, not feeling good, so uh, I think uh, that kind of takes care of all the uh, requests I know about um, if I've missed anybody, I'm sorry, uh, but uh, remember them uh, in your prayers. All right, John chapter 21. We're going to look at a familiar story. Again, this is not part of uh, preaching through John. Uh, we will probably uh, we, we will come back to this chapter uh, somewhere down the road. Uh, but uh, I want to speak to you uh, as we end up this year and as we head into uh, a new year, uh, God just kind of uh, laid something on my heart. I've been reading a book. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the name of the book, and, and this is not a book I'm recommending because, quite honestly, uh, most of you in here wouldn't like it. Uh, it's just not, it, it's not written uh, for, it's written to preachers, more or less. And so, um, it, uh, but it's called Canoeing the Mountain. Uh, and uh, yes, that's a weird title, um, but um, it, uh, it, it kind of takes the story uh, of Lewis and Clark. Uh, how many of you remember Lewis and Clark? Um, you know, uh, they, uh, now you say you remember them, but I, I ought to give you a test to say what do you remember about them, and that would be a different story, right? Uh, I'll, be, I'll confess, when I uh, read the introduction of the book, I, had, I, t I stopped for a minute and went on the Internet and, and researched Lewis and Clark just to remind me of exactly uh, what they did. I, you know, I, I, wasn't, I had to refresh my memory. Lewis and Clark might be a, uh, a disco band from the 70s. I just couldn't quite remember uh, everything about uh, Lewis and Clark. Uh, but um, put it simply, without going into a, uh, a whole lot uh, of, uh, of their story, uh, Lewis and Clark uh, were commissioned uh, in 1803 uh, to uh, find a route uh, across the United States to the Pacific Coast. Uh, men for uh, several hundred years uh, had believed that there was somewhere uh, that there was a water route that you could uh, basically it, uh, it, from, from studying it it appears that they thought the United States was shaped like this uh, and from the east coast you would go up 
And when you got to the top, there was a river that ran down to the, and you just put your boat in the water and whoosh, right on down, uh, to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, and, uh, that was kind of the, uh, the, the dominant theory. Uh, there had been, uh, four or five different nations, uh, over time who had, uh, sent expeditions looking, uh, for what they called the Northwest Passage. Uh, and that was Lewis and Clark's assignment, uh, was uh, after the Louisiana Purchase in the United States, uh, we had bought basically the west half uh, of uh, the United States, uh, and I've checked. We didn't get the receipt, and there's no return policy. Uh, we can't we can't take it back. Uh, but uh, we they they after they decided to, they wanted to be able to explore it, uh, and so Jefferson uh, commissioned. Uh, Mayweather Lewis uh, to take a group and to find uh, this passage, find a, a an easy way to get to the West Coast. And you can imagine, uh, very simply, it was motivated uh, by money. He, he wanted to find a way uh, to, that, that, well, two things. Uh, everybody, even though we had purchased it, there were still people kind of claiming it. Uh, and we wanted to claim our territory uh, and find a way to make money uh, off of our new land. And so uh, Lewis and Clark uh, were sent uh, again uh, on, uh, on, this, uh, on this journey. And uh, what their path was, uh, they, they, the reason this book is called Canoeing the Mountain uh, is because they took canoes again because uh, they fully expected to arrive at a point uh, where they could throw their canoes in the water and just you know, just whoosh right on to, uh, you know, whoosh, that's a biblical word, whoosh right on to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, they, they just knew it was there. Uh, and so they proceeded uh, they, to hike uh, up the uh, Missouri River. Uh, and, and they traversed, they hiked, they uh, walked uh, all the way up. Uh, to the uh, to the very beginning, the spring uh, where the Missouri River uh, began, a, a site that no uh, no white man, no European uh, had ever laid eyes on. Only uh, the Indians had ever seen, uh, ever been to that spot. And when they got there. Uh, if you read uh, their journal, they stopped for a moment, uh, got them a drink of water out of the spring, and their expectation was completely uh, that uh, they fully believed that they had uh, reached the place where, again, they were going to top the little hill. And when they got there, uh, when they went over the hill, again, they were just going to put their canoe in the river, and they were going to lay back, and they honestly thought that it was going to be, uh, and I don't know how much you remember, about your geography, but the Mississippi, the Missouri River are roughly, roughly in the middle of the United States. They really thought that they were going to be able, when they got to the top, to put their canoes in the water and in about a half a day float gently to the Pacific Ocean. That was their dream. That was their uh, belief. And unfortunately, you know, you already know, uh, because we have pictures and maps and stuff now, uh, that when they finished drinking their little bit of water, uh, out of the spring of the Missouri River, uh, they went on up to the top of the hill, and when they peeked over, they didn't see a stream gently flowing to the Pacific Ocean. Instead, they laid eyes on the Rocky Mountains. They brought canoes 
to a mountain hiking trip. They were totally unprepared for where they were about to go. Uh, they were completely uh, unprepared. And the, and the sad thing is, again, if you read their journals, uh, you find uh, that as they traveled, as they w made their way up the Mississippi uh, and the Missouri, uh, they could see off in the distance the mountain peaks, but they had no idea uh, just how massive, how rugged uh, the Rocky Mountains were and the terrain on the other side uh, of the Missouri. And their mistake was uh, that they believed, like pretty much everyone else that ever had uh, tried to find this passageway, that the western half of the United States looked just like the eastern half. That the, that the land, the geography in the West was going to be just like it was uh, in the East. And as you think about that, somebody may be wondering, why in the world are you giving us a history and geography lesson? Because I find it interesting uh, that, uh, again, this book was written uh, in 2018. And I really, uh, when I picked it up and started reading it, I, I thought it had been written during uh, the last few months, in the middle uh, of what we've been going through. And then I, and I flipped back to look at the copyright date, and I said, wow, this book's a couple years old. Uh, you know, this man must have a crystal ball. Uh, because he sees exactly uh, where we are today. Uh, there are a lot of people today uh, who are still thinking uh, that the future is going to look just like the past. They're, they're just like Lewis and Clark thinking the West looks like the East. Uh, and you're about, as we go into 2021, we're going to be like those explorers, uh, Lewis and Clark and their core of discovery. Uh, as we top the mountaintop, uh, we're going to look and see a bunch of Rocky Mountains in our future. Uh, we as, uh, as Christians have to understand, sociologists call it the error of Christendom. Uh, a big fancy word that's worth uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, but it simply talks about uh, the difference uh, in time. Uh, you and I, most of us, have lived during Christendom. We've grown up uh, in that experience. And Christendom simply, uh, sociologists, theologies, uh, theologians, uh, that is the time that we have just basically uh, wrapped up in the last few years uh, when you know, th there was a time in the church where we didn't talk about church growth. We, we didn't talk about it. There weren't any books written on church growth. You didn't need them. People came to church. You didn't need books written. You didn't need workshops on, on worship styles and worship attendance and church attendance and church growth. It just, if you didn't go to church on Sunday, when you went to work on Monday, your boss and co-workers wanted you to, want to know why. I mean, that was the difference in, in, in the world you and I uh, have been living in and, and have whether we want to face it or not, we have topped the mountain. We have reached the top of the Missouri River, and the future ahead of us looks far different than the future behind us. 
We are, uh, uh, again, there, there was, uh, you know, we, we had blue laws. Remember blue laws? Uh, you know, uh, when, when, uh, when businesses didn't open uh, on Sunday. I've shared with you before uh, about this little sign in the fire department in Kannapolis that said, don't set off the siren during church hours. I mean, uh, you know, that, that, was, uh, that was the world we lived in. That was Christendom. Uh, but we don't live there anymore, folks. We're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. We have left that era. We're not there anymore. And so as we look at this and, and think about uh, how uh, there's some, some lessons that uh, we, we learned from, uh, from Lewis and Clark's experience, uh, but we're going to look in John 21, and we're going to see uh, from Simon Peter and the disciples uh, that the same thing has always been an issue. We struggle navigating a new normal. I, I personally am tired of the phrase new normal. Unfortunately, I realize we have a new normal. I don't like the phrase and I'm tired of hearing it, but we might, we might as well get used to it. In the church, out of the church, a new normal. And so as we think about heading into a new year, I want to give you four uh, principles that uh, we learn uh, from, again, from the Lewis and Clark expedition, but more importantly, I, I think are supported uh, all the way back uh, to the story of Simon Peter. After uh, the, the death, uh, the crucifixion of Christ, uh, you might remember the story. It's one of my favorite uh, lines in the Bible, uh, that uh, after Jesus uh, appeared to the disciples, Peter looked around and said, in the King James Version, he said, I go a-fishing. Uh, that's one of my favorite lines in all the Bible. Uh, I go a-fishing. Uh, that may be a good idea, a good way to navigate the new normal. I'm just going fishing. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, Larry said, I'll go talking about water sports. I, I'm, I'm going fishing. Y'all can just uh, hang on to uh, whatever you want to do. But we, we, we are, again, as, as a church, uh, these principles uh, are individual. Uh, in the workplace, uh, we are headed into, let's just face it, between Corona, between the end of, again, Christendom, uh, as it's called, we are moving into a completely different era uh, of life. The things are gonna things are gonna be different uh, again. Barring some miraculous revival or transformation, we are headed into a far different land than we've been living in. We are like it or not. You you can go kick. You know, some of us are going like like taking a. You ever took a dog to the vet? I don't know how they know what that building is, but man, they'll put on the brakes with all four. That's the way some of us are going into this new normal. We're going in kicking and screaming, but we're going. Uh, we're going. Things are going to be different. Politics are different. Everything's different. We need to prepare for a new normal. I want to show you four things that we learn again. Uh, we see them in Simon Peter. We see them uh, in the Lewis Clark uh, expedition. And I think if you think about them, you'll find out uh, that they are true uh, in your own experience uh, of how we navigate uh, this, uh, this new normal. Peter was in the same boat. Peter had 
believed that Jesus, uh, he's walked and talked with Jesus for three years now. Uh, he's listened to Jesus teach. Um, he, he believed right up to the very end. Again, we see him in the garden uh, the other week when we looked at that passage, pulling out the sword and lopping off the ear uh, of the Roman soldier. St. Peter believed right up to the very end that, that Jesus was setting up uh, an earthly kingdom and he and the other disciples were going to be uh, his right-hand man. He believed that Jesus was going to overthrow uh, the dominion of Rome. He was going to make Israel uh, the most powerful nation uh, and set up his throne and rule from that point forward. And, and, and he had a clear picture uh, of what the future looked like. And then they got to the mouth, uh, the top of the Missouri, and there Jesus was crucified, and everything that Peter thought was going to happen fell apart. And so he said, I go fishing. He was like Lewis and Clark. He was like you and I. We think that tomorrow's going to look exactly like yesterday. And it's not. Four things I want you to see from Peter, from Lewis and Clark. In that statement I said was one of my favorites, I go a fishing. We find the first error uh, that we make uh, in, in navigating a new normal and moving forward uh, into uh, our future. And first of all, uh, what we see, again, remember that Peter and most of the disciples uh, had been fishermen uh, their, their, in their business life. Before they uh, became followers of Jesus Christ, uh, they had been fishermen. It's what uh, they knew. It was what uh, they were accustomed to. It was, uh, it was second nature to them. They had grown up, uh, many of them, in their father's fishing business. They could uh, tie a net, bait a hook, clean a fish, blindfolded. Uh, I remember uh, several years ago uh, going out deep sea fishing and coming back uh, and the daughter of the captain of the boat uh, was there on the uh, pier when the boat came in cleaning the fish and, and she was standing there and she was talking to people and wasn't even looking uh, at what she was doing and somebody said aren't you wasting uh, a lot of meat while you, you what you're doing and she picked up one of them you could have read the paper through it uh, I mean she wasn't even watching what she was doing I would have cut off all ten of my fingers by now. Uh, but she, she had done that since she was a little girl. She grew up uh, on that dock and fishing. Uh, and everything about it was second nature to her. And for these disciples, fishing uh, was second nature. It was what uh, they knew to do. And the first danger... The uh, first thing uh, that we have to be aware of in navigating a new normal is the risk uh, of, of default. Uh, the risk of defaulting, of going back uh, to what we are comfortable with. Going back uh, to what uh, has always uh, in the past uh, worked. Doing uh, those things that, uh, that we are the most comfortable with uh, in, uh, in our life. And the church is uh, one of the most guilty. Uh, we, we, uh, when, when we look around and we see uh, church begin to falter, we see the numbers uh, begin uh, to drop off, we see issues, uh, what do we do? Well, well let, let's, let, let, we need to preach harder. You know, we need to sing more. We need to sing better. We, you know, we, we need to, you know, well, we've always had this program. Let's put more money in that program. Let's do it, let's do it more. 
you know, uh, and you know, uh, the, you know, you know what the definition of insanity is, right? Doing the same thing you've always done, expecting different results. Uh, and so uh, we have to understand, again, if we're going into a new territory, we have to go in different. These men, Lewis and Clark, for example, they had hiked up uh, the Missouri River. They had canoed. They had watered their way up. But when they topped the mountain, you know, can you imagine them sitting at the base of the Rocky Mountain in canoes going, you know, trying to get up the mountain? Yeah, we looked at them and said, they're, they're crazy. You know, uh, you know, what's wrong with them men? They're, you know, they're, they're sitting on the side of the mountain, not a drop of water in sight. You know, rope, rope. Row, you know, they're just, you know, rowing that canoe like crazy, trying to get up the mountain. Yeah, we would have said they've lost their mind. Well, Peter does the same thing. Peter, he has, you know, here he is, he's faced, he has by now, he has seen the resurrected Christ. But instead of understanding and approaching uh, and accepting uh, and moving forward into this new normal that uh, has just been presented to him, what does Peter say? I'm going all the way back to when I was a fisherman. I'm going to go all the way back to when I was a fisherman. Listen, what, what I'm saying to us this morning and what we need to understand is, listen, I'm not saying we throw out everything that's old. I'm not saying we get rid of everything. But if it's not working, if it's not working now, what are the chances of it working in a new normal? Yeah. And here's what's really difficult to understand for, for Christians and believers. Most of us in this room, we, you know, there are very few probably in this room that still hang your clothes out on a clothesline. Most of, you may do it because you choose to occasionally, but generally speaking, you throw your clothes in a dryer, right? Most everyone in this building, and probably most everyone online, has a microwave in your house. Do you remember when a microwave was a new normal? The whole family used to gather to watch popcorn pop. Right? Yeah. It, it just, it was, it was something new. We hadn't seen one of those things before. Yeah. I, I can still remember, you'd see people turn it on, and then they'd go over and, and, and wipe their hand around the door to make sure they didn't feel no heat coming out to make sure they wasn't getting radiated. You know. Uh, I said it was, a, you know, but we embraced it. Can you imagine a house today without a microwave? Yeah. Or without a clothes dryer? You know, some of you are probably old enough, you remember cooking in a, cooking, uh, you know, you had to go gather up wood to fire up the oven to cook. You know, I, I, I've heard, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard Geraldine talk about her mama that she cooked better in the wood stove than she did when they got an electric stove. You know, so some of you remember those guys. Some of you, some of you in here remember having to get your bucket and go to the creek to get water. Or going out to the well and drawing water. But man, didn't you embrace well water? Yeah. 
Didn't you embrace city water? Yeah. Some of you remember about this time of year? Yes, I'm going there. The old outhouse. When it was good and cold. Man, didn't you embrace indoor plumbing. It became the new normal. How many of you want to go back? You know, we talk about the good old days. But I hadn't seen anybody build a house and leave out the plumbing and put them an outhouse in the backyard. Every new house I've seen got plumbing. Most of them got a couple bathrooms. Got a spot made for the microwave right there over the stove. You know, back when the microwave was new, you had to say, where are we going to put this thing? You know. Now, now you got a spot when you build your house. We've got to have a place to put the microwave. Right? Isn't that the way it works? We have embraced the new normal. But for some reason, as Christians, as the church, we tend to be afraid of new. Now, listen, don't misunderstand. Some things that are new all go away. But. If it wasn't worth, here's here's a line that I keep hearing from 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 church leaders and and smart people. If we could stop doing it, some of you are just going to rattle some of you's cage. It's good to be rattled every now and then. If we can stop doing it during Corona for six months, do we really need to start it back? Here, a pen hit the carpet in here. If we could stop doing it that easily, is it really that important for us moving forward? What I'm saying to you today is the church needs to, and, and as we move forward individually, we need to understand that many of the things that one time worked don't work anymore. We're going into a new world. We're going into new things at work, in the home, everywhere. Peter said, I'm going back fishing. Jesus had to go get him off the boat. See, you know how I know Peter was, didn't belong as a fisherman? Because Jesus went out and called him off the boat and said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to give you a new profession. Peter, there's a new normal ahead for you. Don't go back to fishing. You're done fishing. You, yeah, you're done with that. We're going in a different path now, Peter. Listen, here's, here's the challenge. And I don't know. I'm not a resolution guy for, for a lot of reasons. For one, if I make them by about the 3rd of January, it's not that I broke them. I forgot them. You know, I, don't, you know, I don't even remember what they were. You know, um, I just don't. I mean, I, I, and I don't take the time to write them down. And so I'm just not a resolution guy. But we do need to resolve to move forward in the name of Jesus. We need to move forward in the name of Jesus. In our life, in our church, in our families. Folks, let's just be brutally honest. In the last 20 years, this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. In the last 20 years, really longer than that. Actually, in the last 50 years. 
what the church of Jesus Christ, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about the church as a whole, what, generally speaking, the church has been doing in the last 50 years has not worked. It's just reality. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. It has been 50 years back to 1970 was the biggest year of baptisms in the Baptist church. We have declined ever since. When you consider the population growth, when you consider the immigration and all the people that have moved here, how much more white the fields are to harvest today than they were 50 years ago, and to say that we haven't even kept pace with the baptisms of 50 years ago, what we're doing isn't working. That hurts to say, because we love what we're doing. It's normal to us, and none of us like to give up normal. But to navigate a new normal, we can't return to the default. Go back to what is easy. When these men, when Lewis and Clark topped the hill, and they saw those Rocky Mountains, they had to change their plan. They had to get rid of their canoes, and they had to get some horses. They had to make friends with the Indians. They had to go and learn to communicate with the Indians. You know, one of the only reasons Lewis and Clark made it across the, the, the western half of the United States, yeah, sure, they were great men. Uh, both of them were uh, successful military men. Uh, they had had great careers. But you know the reason they made it across, main, one of the, basically the main reason they made it across the United States is because they took in a little 16-year-old pregnant Indian girl who guided them and led them and kept them from getting killed by the rest of the Indians. That wasn't their plan when they left home. In case you don't remember, we didn't have such a great relationship with the Native Americans when we got here. But Lewis and Clark realized real quick, we don't know what we're doing on this side of the mountain. This side of the mountain doesn't look like where we came from. We better get somebody that knows what they're doing. We're going to partner. Can you imagine a captain in the U.S. Army saying, You know what? I'm going to follow the leadership of a 16-year-old nursing Indian girl. But that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did the risk of defaulting. The second thing I see in their story, the second thing I see uh, with Peter is not only the risk of defaulting, but the requirements of directability. I'm not even sure directability is a word, but I like it. We need to have as one of our characteristics, one of the adjectives that describe us needs to be directable that we are directable. Look at Peter. Look at the disciples in the story. These were all experienced fishermen. They had fished all night and caught nothing. They had fished as was 
traditional as was typical on the left side of the boat. They hadn't caught a thing. They didn't realize it, but Jesus stood on the shore and he said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Now, let's think about that for just a moment. How far was the left side of the boat from the right side of the boat? Let's assume they had a pretty nice boat. Let's be imaginative and say 10 feet wide. How many of you go along with their boat was at the most 10 feet wide? Does that sound reasonable? How many of you would say most likely it was less than 10 feet wide? So, if you're fishing on this side of the boat, is it really going to make that much difference if you fish on this side of the boat? I mean, really? Now, I mean, I've been at the beach, I've been on the pier, and I've seen some of those knuckleheads at the pier. You know, you can be out there, you catch one fish this big, and every clown out there goes right on top of them. Any of you ever been there on the pier and had that happen? You have to be like my daddy when they do that. My daddy smoked to their lines. Just each one of them cleaned them out. <laughs> Made him a spot to fish. Of course, my grandpa, he chewed tobacco. He'd spit in the wind. He'd clean him out of spot. You know, uh, that'll clear it out. But seriously, is moving from the left side of the boat to the right side of the boat going to make that much difference? Honestly? Do you realize, have you thought about how much trouble it would be to gather up the nets. And honestly, I said a 10-foot wide boat, probably nowhere near a 10-foot wide boat. Probably a little scrawny boat that was rocking in a roll. And to move the net with 11 men in the boat was going to be a major accomplishment, right? But they moved the net. And you know the story. They brought in a load of fish because they were directable. Lewis and Clark made it to the Pacific Coast because they were directable. Because they were willing to listen. Because they uh, went there uh, and they got there. Uh, why, were, why were those men willing to follow Lewis and Clark? Can you imagine... I, 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 I've, I've been trying to lead y'all for almost 26 years now. I can only imagine what, how some of you would have reacted when I've been telling you, come on, we're going to find a river on the other side of the hill that will take us all the way to the ocean. And when we got to the top of the hill and we looked, and there ain't a drop of water in sight. There's nothing but Rocky Mountains. I know y'all, y'all would have sounded like the children of Israel. Why didn't you just let us die in Egypt? <laughs> you bozo! There's no water over here. Yeah. I can just hear you now. Why? But why did they follow? Why did they say, okay, well, there's no river, but we're going to keep going anyway? Lewis and Clark have led us on a wild goose chase. Why did they keep following? 
because Lewis and Clark had proven themselves as they went up to Missouri. They had proven themselves to be good leaders. Folks, Jesus has led us this far. I don't think he's going to get us to the top of the Missouri and abandon us. He led us to 2020, and I don't believe he will abandon us in 2021. That's just my opinion. Lewis and Clark had led them successfully this far. Why in the world would you quit following them now? Someone said that for many people, when things get tough, they fling away from Jesus. And the, the, the quote goes on to say, but my question is, who in the world do you fling to? You know, we could stand this morning and we could go back and we could open the microphone back up and, and, and we could go around this room and we could tell story after story. I, I, I think a CD sitting right here in the front. CD tell you about coming through car wrecks and everything else and that God hadn't abandoned him yet. God hadn't left him behind yet. Why in the world would we think he's going to leave us now? Listen, I don't know. I wasn't around 75 years ago when, when Shuford Turner and some other people got the mindset and said there needs to be a church on Poplar Tent Road, and God has brought that church. Listen, I've looked back through the old financial records and some of the business meeting uh, records of this church, and, and it's only by the grace of God she hadn't tore herself apart, but God has blessed us and brought us to this point. Why would he bring us this far only to abandon us? See, I'll confess my sin. I'll confess my flaw. I've already said it. If you would have asked me in March when me and Archie and Lane were gathering over there in the church and we were making videos for church, I'd have said, man, this can't keep on long. We'll never make it like this. And lo and behold, the offering started rolling in, the offering in the mailbox. Y'all figured out how to use your phone and text offering. People started watching from all over the world. Here we are sitting in a building that six years ago we built. We never imagined this is where we'd be. But here we are. with a, We couldn't meet legally and safely in our sanctuary. We, there's just not room. There's just not room over there to meet. It's just not possible. But God has provided in His wisdom... Some six, seven, eight years ago, he put on some people's hearts. We need to build a building. And here we said, God has brought us to here. Let's be directable going forward. In our church, in our personal life, God has been faithful. Let's continue to follow him. How do we navigate a new normal? We navigate a new normal by following the one that got us this far. We navigate a new normal by not going back to the things that wasn't working to start with. You know, I, I, I'm amazed at how often we keep doing the same thing over and over. Just 
But we, we navigate that new normal uh, by being there. They fished all night and caught nothing. But when Jesus, they didn't even know it was Jesus, but the voice said, put your net out on the other side. They were directable. You know, I, I do this sometimes, and I probably shouldn't, but I do this to Bible stories. What if they would have said, I don't know who that is up there, but he's crazy. going to all the trouble to put our net. We fished all night. We fished. We know fishing. We know fishing as good as we know breathing. Who does he think he is? See, they didn't know it was Jesus up there. We're not doing that. I wonder how the story would have been. I wonder how it would have turned out. Instead, they put the net on the other side. They caught fish. Peter recognized it was Jesus. Jumped out of the ship. Swam to the shore. Met Jesus. Jesus asked him, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter becomes the leader of the church. And a few weeks later, standing up at Pentecost, preaching to thousands. Thousands come into the church. The church gets its start. Goes out. Spreads out from Jerusalem, around the world. And here we are today. Bang, boom. All because they put the net on the other side of the boat like they were told to do. Let's be directable. Let's not, let's not go back to the default of the things that weren't working to begin with. Third thing in this story, you see the reward of devotion. Look at what we see in verse 7. That disciple said, and that's John that is talking about, said, Peter, it's the Lord, it's Jesus. And Peter jumps out of the boat and takes off to Jesus. Third thing, and this goes hand in hand with what I just said. Why do we have the risk of default? Why do we have the requirements of directability? But third, we have the reward of devotion. Peter, when he found out it was Jesus, ran to Jesus. See, Peter made the mistake of returning to fishing. But when he saw Jesus, Fishing took a back seat. Here's what we need to ask ourselves. Going in to a new normal. Let me jump back to Lewis and Clark for a minute. Anybody remember? I've told you. What was, what was their mission? What was the mission Thomas Jefferson gave Lewis and Clark? You've got to talk loud. I'm deaf. What was the, if I've got to go back and start over, what was the mission Thomas Jefferson gave Lewis and Find the Northwest Passage to the Pacific Ocean. That was their one job. One job. Make it to the Pacific Ocean. Figure out how... And very specifically, to be honest with you, I said, well, it goes all about money. If you read the original assignment from Thomas Jefferson, it said, for the purpose of commerce. (laughs) It was all about finding a way. That was their job. That was their task. Their job, and they had men with them. They were called the Corps of Discovery. Their job, Lewis and Clark's job, was not to make the core of discovery happy. Their job was not to make the Indians happy. Their job was not to plant apple trees along the way. 
They had one job. Find the Pacific Ocean. At all costs, you had the authority and the backing of the United States government. You found the path to the Pacific Ocean. That mission trumped everything. I don't feel good. I don't want to go. We're going to the Pacific Ocean. I don't like the way we're going. We're going to the Pacific Ocean. But there's mountains up there. We're going to the Pacific Ocean. I don't like the way you're leading us. We're going to the Pacific Ocean. That was it. That was their one job. That was their assignment. It trumped everything. Do you understand today that as Christians, as a church, we are to be devoted to the mission? And it trumps everything. What is our mission? Our mission, very simply, biblically speaking, is to bring people to Christ and to disciple them to be better followers of Christ. That's our mission. That's who we're called to be as a church. And that trumps everything. It's not about what I want. It's not about what you want. It's not whether or not you like the music or whether you like the whatever. It's not about what makes you happy. It's about the mission. When we understand that as a church, when we understand that as individuals, it changes everything. Even in a new normal. Even in a world we don't know, even in a world we don't recognize from the past, we still have the exact same mission. If we get up tomorrow and the sky is green and the clouds are purple, we still have the same mission. If this building implodes and falls in, hopefully while we're not here, we still have the same mission. If I fall over dead, if Archie falls over dead, if you fall over dead, we still have, we have the same mission that those folks who came here in 1948 and sat down here on a porch and organized this church, we still have the same mission, even though a lot of things are different. And we need to ask ourselves that question personally. What is my mission? What is my purpose on this earth? See, I'm just naive enough to believe that every person in this room, God has a purpose for your life. I believe that. I believe He puts you here for a reason. I believe He puts you where you are for a reason. I believe He puts you where you work for a reason. I believe He puts you in the family you're in for a reason. And when we know our purpose, 
It doesn't matter what changes around us. An example right here. Coronas came along and turned the church upside down. Not just ours, but the church as a whole. But it doesn't change our mission. Not change my position. <laughs> doesn't change our mission. We still have a mission. We may have to do it online. We may have to do it in the parking lot. But we still have a mission to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. even in a new normal. In the book I was talking about, the guy who wrote it, he's now um, worked for Fuller Seminary, but he's actually was a Presbyterian pastor. And long story, it made a lot of Presbyterian church in California. I can only imagine what a Presbyterian church in California looks like. Um, but um, they were going through a lot of changes. They literally ended up tearing down every building on their campus and rebuilding uh, just for a lot of reasons. I mean, they went through a lot of changes. And had a very wealthy, important person who began to visit in the church and his family. And one day they, the, the man came in and sat down in his office and said, and some of you, and I'm not throwing stone, I'm just telling you, it's his story. He's the Presbyterian preacher and he's, he told the story. Presbyterians in the last few years, um, in many places, have got a really bad um, reputation, I guess I'd say, because of some of their theological decisions. And this man came in and said, why don't, we, why don't you drop the Presbyterian name off? Why don't we leave the denomination quit being a Presbyterian church? And he told him, he said, well, because it's really not affecting our mission. Our mission is to reach people, and we're reaching people and it doesn't seem to be an issue um, in keeping us from... He said, but it might keep you from reaching people like me. He said, and he looked at him and said, in all due fairness, and I love you, but I'm not trying to reach people like you. I'm trying to reach lost people. And they don't seem to mind. When we know our mission, when we're devoted to our mission, it doesn't matter what changes around us. Folks, I'm telling you, I am committed as your pastor. I don't know what 2021 holds. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what else is going to change. By the end of the year, some of y'all might get that vaccine and have a new ear growing, so, you know, a horn off. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know what we're looking at in 2021. But no matter what 2021 holds, it is my desire. It is my mission to keep this church preaching the gospel and reaching people for Jesus Christ. Amen. We might have to do it in the parking lot. They might foreclose and take it, and we might have to do it in the street. But we're going to reach people for Jesus. We're going to keep preaching the gospel. What's your mission personally? Why has God left you here? Why is God not taking you out of here? Are you devoted to your mission no matter what comes along? Finally, notice in this story the requirement of destiny. Excuse me. Let me tell you that wrong. That's what I just talked about, the destiny. I don't know why I said devo devotion. 
Devotion is taking somebody with you. Let me tell you about Lewis and Clark. Lewis was a captain. Mayweather Lewis was a captain in the Army. Clark was a second lieutenant. Lewis had rank on him. Lewis went to President Jefferson when he was commissioned to, take the, to make this journey and said, I want to take Lieutenant Clark with me, but I want you to make him a captain just like me, and we'll be co-commanders of this move, of this expedition. Well, it didn't work out with the Army rules and regulations. But you know when they set out, anything you read, Lewis and Clark are referred to as captains. Lewis and the whole journey referred to him as Captain Clark, his co-commander. And if you read their journals, if you read the journals of the men, there appears to have never been, that they may have went out behind the tent and beat each other over the head with tree limbs. But there was no public division between Lewis and Clark. They were equal in every way in leading this expedition. Peter says, I go fishing. And what do the disciples say? We'll go with you. Jesus says, throw the net on the other side of the boat. They couldn't have done it, just one of them. It took all of them to throw the net over. Folks, we need to have a destiny. I got my words mixed up. A destiny that we're, we're determined. That's our mission. We need to be devoted to each other, that we're going to help each other. We're not, we're not going to be lone rangers. I don't think the church was ever designed to be that way. I don't think Christianity was ever designed for that. We're told, we're told in the Word of God to edify, to build up each other. Unfortunately, the normal has been Let's kick them while they're down. Let's move forward by building each other up and bringing each other along, strengthening each other. Folks, we're headed for a new normal. We're already in a new normal. We were in a new normal before Corona ever came. Christendom is gone. It's over. There are no more blue laws. There's a reason several thousand churches a year close down. Christendom. How many of you 20, 30, 40 years ago ever heard of a church closing? You didn't hear that. Didn't hear of it. We're in a new world. We're in a new world. Can't risk defaulting back to what wasn't working to begin with. Can't do it. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I want to invite you this morning to join me, whether you're online or whether you're here, in praying 
that God will help us to navigate a new normal. I do not believe, I'll say it again, that he brought us this far to leave us by the wayside. I believe the church's greatest days are ahead of them. I believe they're going to be hard. I believe they're going to be difficult. I believe they're going to be different. But I do believe that there are greater days ahead. I do believe God has a plan. Would you join me in praying for this church, for the church, for each other? There are individuals around us who are struggling with this new normal. There are people who are scared. There are people who are depressed. There are people who are lonely. There are people who are hurting. There are people who have barely been out of their house in six months. And they're hurting and they're scared. Do we know our mission individually as a church? I want to invite you this morning, where you're at, to come and kneel here at the altar where you are. And let's pray together for the church of Jesus Christ. Many of you know about the Cooperative Program of Southern Baptist. The motto of the Cooperative Program for many years has been stronger together. Stronger together. Let's pray together that God would move in the church of Jesus Christ and we'd see His hand as we've never seen before. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we thank you for the lesson of the disciples reinforced to us in the experience of these explorers. And God, now as we go into territory that's unmapped, uncharted, we're going where we haven't been before, doing things we haven't done before. But God, we still have the very same purpose, and that's to proclaim the word of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. God, help us to know our mission and to carry it out. We'll give you the honor for what you do here today, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand together.